17 of the Atari 1500 Super Community Podcast. Got the full crew here tonight. We have Mr. Michael D'Angelo. How you doing, guys? And we have Mr. Matt Daly. Hey, everyone. How you doing? And that other guy, Rick. Uh, just glad to be along again. <laughs> <laughs> He's along for the ride. All right, so today we're going to be talking about Vanguard, the arcade game ported to the 5200, and the prototype game, uh, Roadrunner, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had a heck of a time playing that game. I don't know if you call it a game at this point. No. <laughs> it's sort of it. But before we get started, let's catch up what everybody's been doing since the last time. We'll start with uh, Michael, because he went to an Atari party. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was invited to the uh, Atari Party East, hosted by Bill Lang back in uh, early September. Uh, it was a great time. Brought my uh, 5200 with me. Uh, got to meet a bunch of great guys, including uh, Ferg from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. And we, we had a blast. I mean, this, this, this is a great thing. Hopefully this happens uh, every year. Got to play a lot of cool different Atari computers and consoles uh a lot of he had quite a few uh, arcade games i think 10 15, 10 or 15 different arcade games wow. cabinets and yeah and i even caught ferg playing the 5200 uh mini golf <laughs> 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 i have photos i have proof <laughs> so it was a great time it was really great to be there oh that's awesome so was your, I, was yours the only 5200 that was there? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Good thing you took it. I know. I know. Jeez. And I finally picked up a Master Play clone. Oh. Unfortunately, I did not get it in time for the Atari party, but, you know, it is what it is. But it, it's a great device. I'm really having a blast with it. Well, I'm doing see, so much doing so much better at some of these games. Well, no, it's it's fine that you didn't have the Master Play clone. You know, put the original controllers with it. We set it over in the corner. You put like the Gothic candles around it, stuff like that, because that's the Atari torture device. <laughs> Nobody expects 
The fifty two hundred. <laughs> hey, so uh, so where was that held? It was held in uh, New Jersey. Okay, I got to take a look and see what the uh, drive time is for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was actually I think I think it was Somerset, New Jersey. So yes, central Central Jersey. Yeah, Central Jersey. Just a hop, skip, a jump for Rick. Just drive straight across the state of Pennsylvania, Rick, and then go north yeah. to Philadelphia. Yeah, that's like <laughs> that's only ten or so hours. Whatever. <laughs> oh, it's not ten hours. How far is it to Philadelphia from from Pittsburgh? Mm, I, I'm going to guess six to eight. Six to eight. Well, okay. I don't drive to Philadelphia very often. Pittsburghers don't do much with Philadelphians. That's kind of a thing in the state. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> it has something to do with sports ball, but I don't know anything about that. So, <laughs> is this Atari Party a, a general public kind of thing, or is this um, a, a club kind of thing, or how did you? It, it was care? a pr- it was a private event only because it was it, it was at his home. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, sh- I, I should mention. I think I got an invite, but I couldn't go. That was I think that's what happened. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think originally they were trying, they were planning on having it at, at a public place, but it just the amount of money it would have cost. They just had they decided to have it at his house. Oh, sure. So I, I can understand it not being a public event. Now I know why I wasn't invited. He don't want Willie <laughs> in the house. <laughs> there was I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe I wasn't invited. <laughs> there was there was easily twenty or so of us there. So it was it was, wow. it was a good number of us there. Awesome. Yeah, I was up in New Jersey not too long before that. We hung out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. He got to, uh, old Michael got to see me drink some, drink some fat tire. <laughs> yeah, it was a good night. <laughs> also at the uh, the party, I, uh, Jamie Landino, who wrote the book Breakout: How Atari Eight Bit Computers Define a Generation. Uh, I got to meet him there. Oh. So he brought me a signed copy of his book, which is a really great book. Highly recommend it. Oh, awesome! And maybe I'll post. We'll post a picture of it in the uh, on the uh, Facebook page. Oh yeah, definitely do yeah, that. Yeah, really great book. Awesome. I'd like to read. So how about you, Matt? What have you been up to since the last time we recorded? Besides writing articles for us. <laughs> well, let's see. I, uh, I not too long ago I went to the Power Up video game convention in. Huntington, West Virginia, and I met up with Nick Stevens from the Genesis Gems podcast. He's a fellow retro junkie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> we uh, we they're doing a little junk box, you know, where you send around a, oh, yeah. one of those USPS flat rate shipping boxes full of whatever retro stuff you have that you maybe want to pass along. And oh yeah. He had it and it was scheduled to come to me next, so you know he's like he kind of lives in that. In that not too far from there, so I said, "Hey, why don't we just meet up at this uh, video game show and, and pass it off?" Then, so it was cool to see him, and I picked up a few a uh, few little tidbits here and there, and, uh, like Ghostbusters for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which I, I loved. I had when I was a kid. And they had it in box for a pretty reasonable amount. It, it seems like when you go to these retro game shows these days, they're they're focused mostly on like NES or later. Yes, crash it's it's pretty cheap like it's pretty reasonable i don't think they really either they don't get much demand for it or they don't know what they have because the prices are usually less than ebay man i like it that way yeah yeah perfectly fine with that. So. 
Now see, now see, when you met up with Nick and you got the retro junkie junk box, you should you should have said, okay, where's my eighteen dollars? <laughs> yeah, he he got a little good deal there. He got a good deal. Ship that out to the next. Oh, see, I see what you're doing there, Mister Stevens. <laughs> I got my eye on you, buddy. Mm. Yeah. So, Mister Rick, what have you been up to? I'm not sure when we recorded last. Uh, July third, two thousand seventeen. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, um, let's see. Here in Pittsburgh, there was uh, Replay FX, which was pretty awesome. Um, I got me a uh, some kind of weird Pong clone system that has the word twenty six hundred in its name. <laughs> which, so I'm, I'm I, I got to do an unboxing and uh, video on that thing. Uh, get that posted because it looks like a it's 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 Pong based, but it has other games on it. Like it's one of these almost in between consoles or something. Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of kind of cool, um, and then um, let's see here. I uh, in terms of some hobby projects. I um, you guys, do you guys remember the iCade? Yes, it was a little ar- arcade machine that you'd put an iPad into. It came out years ago from ThinkGeek. Yep. Um, so for a while there was a uh, I think Gridly was the name of the game that you could get in the iOS store. And uh, what what Apple didn't know at the time was they had smuggled Mame entirely inside of Gridly, <laughs> so you could, if you if you knew what you were doing, you could load up ROMs on it and play. I did so, it. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So I I had done that and had lots of cool games on my uh, my iPad in this iCade. That was just great. Well, something happened. Problem with the iPad. Blah blah blah. I had to update the iOS version on that iPad, and sure enough, I can't load Gridly anymore. And and so it's just not available. Oh. So I have so I have this iCade sitting in my basement for like a year and a half, not doing anything with it. And I thought, you know what? I thought I'd seen someone take one of these and convert it into a pinball table uh, for you to put your put your uh, iPad on it, like flip it over on its face so it has kind of an angle, and you put the iPad in the back of it. And, of course, it's a Bluetooth controller, so you just move the buttons where you want them to be, and boom, you're playing pinball with the uh, Pinball Arcade app. So I went through a project of doing that. So I've got a I've got a mini pinball table um, for playing pinball arcade with my iPad. So that 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 was kind of a fun project. Now you gotta make a little back thing. Yeah, I know. I gotta make <laughs> make the is it called a back glass? I guess I got I gotta yeah the uh, back glass back. I gotta put something on there, but it's got I gotta think about it because that's how I slide the iPad into it is kind of from that point. Yeah. Um, so I gotta think about how I can do that. But yeah, that would be kind of cool. But it, it plays real well, uh, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and then I've been I've been playing with some uh, some Raspberry Pi systems. I, I got a new little I got a handheld Raspberry Pi system that has a screen on it, and so I can you know load it up with with games. So I'm, I'm thinking about putting some. Um, uh, I got the Atari 2600 on there in television, ColecoVision and stuff like that. And I'm thinking about adding the 5200 to it, so I'll have some 5200 gaming on the go. But yeah, those are the kind of retro projecty things I've been doing. Awesome, wow, that's cool, man. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of neat. How I never thought about it until I saw a picture of your IK flipped on its face, and it does look like a pinball table. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. That's amazing. Well, yeah, that's pretty that cool. Really well. Yeah, I have to check that out. I actually have two IKs sitting in my basement that I have to do something with. There you go. Uh, yeah, and uh, I I had a similar app. I had that iMame app. Okay. Oh, that was great. Uh, if you if you got it within like the first it was it was out for a couple of days before Apple picked up on it. 
Yeah, right. And if right. you're able to get that, you could load all the ROMs you wanted on it. And then, yeah, again, uh, one of the updates on iOS destroyed it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yep, we'll yep. show you. So my iCades are, yeah, they're waiting for a project to be done to them. Oh, so I, gotta I, ch- I definitely got to check out the pinball. That looks, re- that sounds really cool. Good old Apple Gandalfing our apps. <laughs> you will not pass. <laughs> yeah, I need to make a video of both of these projects and uh, yes, post them do. up there. Yes, you do. I, I owe Willie videos. Willie videos. Get them posted. Especially if you manage to get a, a back glass up for that arcade. Really yeah. Cool. See, it'd be cool. I, I, I don't... Uh, what would really be cool is if you have like a, like a, a Raspberry Pi driving some kind of display. Just to put graphics and stuff up there while you're playing the game. That'd be kind of cool. Ah, uh, you're making more work for me. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's why my buddy Dwayne don't like talking to me because I keep giving him ideas. <laughs> anyway, well, I've been traveling around the countryside yet again. Uh, besides harassing Michael up in New Jersey, I've been running around visiting different game stores. I found one game store up in Cleveland, Ohio, this week. Uh, Video Game Connection. That has a ton of 5200 games. Lots and lots of them in the box. I was drooling. So I, I, I'm kind of new to the 5200. Is it really hard to find them in the uh, in the box the way it is? Like 2600, you, you find loose carts all the time. Hard to find them in the box. Is that true in the 5200 world or is it not the same? I've, I've not had a problem finding them in the box. Okay. The uh, best electronics out in California. I think they even sell them. They have a few titles that are like still shrink wrapped. Yes, yes, they do. Got I got Star Raiders and a couple others that way. Oh yeah, nice. I got two copies of Star Raiders. Yeah, Star oh, Raiders. Yeah. I had to get that was. Perfect. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorite games. Love that game. So, before we get started, we got some uh, some neat little posts here. I want to talk about uh, i love it when we get visitor posts on the facebook page uh, don't get a lot of email for some reason but well, at least we got some visitor posts we got one here that david nelson put up on our page uh, he hand built a analog 5200 controller has the keypad everything on it this thing looks pretty cool works really well he's not looking to sell it he just wanted to show what he was what he did so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that. That looks really nice. I, uh, I have a great alternative to the standard controller. Oh, yeah. Of course, we got a little message here from Keith Sheehan. He uh, posted his score on Zaxxon for 25,950, level 3. Yeah, much better than I can do. <laughs> 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 Let me see who we got here. Oh, here we go. Roy Heath. He writes in, picked up a lot of 5200 console and cartridges a few weeks back. I know it's been forever since I played one. I forgot how horrible the controllers are. Used to be able to clear Defender. Now I can't survive two minutes. Not sure if it's the controllers or old age. Well, in my case, it's called old age and poor eyesight. Let's see what I've got here. Uh, Jimmy Rothman, he wrote in, he was asking a question, look for controllers or someone to refurbish them. Been searching the net, maybe you guys could help me. 
I think David's been helping out with a lot of these kind of questions. Yeah, he has been. So David suggested that uh, Mark Hayden does refurbishing of controllers. So that's pretty cool. You can also uh, get the gold upgrade kits out at Best Electronics, too. That's what I did to mine. I uh, modded mine two years ago, and it still works like new. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Somebody talk. <laughs> All right, I'll take it over. I uh, I actually did the best electronics. Uh, I just let them do it for me, though. Paid the a little extra money, and they just sent me a new controller with the gold stuff in it. Wimp. That's what I was going to say. I did the same thing. <laughs> what? Oh, come I, on. I, also did that. I, I had to do it. I'm, I'm terrible with like rebuilding these things. I'm oh, all my thumps. gosh. Okay, that's I've since good. had I've since had a controller apart and put it back together. So I feel like I could do it now, but I didn't want to try it then. I'm off the show. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I can take them apart and put them back together, but it involves a lot of cursing and. Yeah. Oh no! You, uh, colorful metaphors. Mm. <laughs> a lot of colorful well, I was, metaphors. I, I was desperate when I when I finally found my 5200. Um, none of the controllers worked, so I needed something right away. Oh, so I just I just went with best electronics. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a, an interesting uh, question for us all to ponder here. Uh, Roger Newman he wrote in, "Hello all, this is my first post. Well, welcome, Roger. How would you make a case for the 5200 against the Atari 800 computer if you were trying to convince someone to pick between the two?" Mm. Mm -hmm. What do you think yeah. about that question? I've thought about that a lot myself, and the, the easiest thing to say about it is you don't have, like a computer, you kind of got to set up on a desk, and you've got, and you, then the next thing you know, you've got disk drives, you've got the whole nine yards with it, maybe a tape deck, all that stuff, the keyboards, you've, you've got to have it set up. Like those old school personal computers take up a lot of space, and 5200, it's just a game console, you plug in a cartridge, you're ready to go. Plus, some of the games that use the analog stick, like Star Raiders, for instance, they're way better on the 5200. Oh my gosh, yes. So there's an and there's there's um like Robotron, where you've got the uh, the dual the joystick oh, yeah. coupler and Space Dungeon that was 5200 oh, exclusive. Yeah. I think there's enough reasons to to get it that that sets it apart from the computer. Not that the computer's bad. I mean, it's pretty awesome. But as far as like straight game console goes. What are your thoughts, Michael? No, I, I agree with. Uh, I, I agree. It's. I, I have the eight hundred as well as fifty two hundred, and it just for ease of use. I, I just went with the fifty two hundred. I keep that set up all the time. I have my Atari Max cartridge, and if you, if you search around, you a lot of the games you can find converted for the fifty two hundred. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's it's it. It's, to me, it was a no brainer to just to have the fifty two hundred set up. Um, I, I love the 800, but I, I really wasn't using it. So I just, I just, I, again, I just go with the 5200. Mr. Rick, what, what, what are your thoughts on that little question? Uh, yeah, I had similar thoughts about the, you know, the setup and everything of the computer, right? If, if, if you want to get into retro computing, well, you know, that obviously sends you towards the 800. But if you're just wanting to play games, it's a lot simpler in terms of having a console cartridges in, you're ready to go. Um, I have, I have tried to curb my retro computing <laughs> desires <laughs> and 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 stick to consoles mostly. So I'm definitely in the 5200 camp on that. Um, 
So, yeah, I guess it really comes down to you what you want to do. Do you want to play games? You're probably better off with the 5200. Mm. Uh, if you want to get into that whole arena, then the, then probably the computer gives you more to mess with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think a game console is uh, certainly much simpler. See, in my case, I just buy them both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, must have them. I'm tempted to get a computer, but, but uh, there's only so much room. <laughs> Yeah, matter of fact, I'm reorganizing my game cave, and whew, it's like a bad episode of Hoarders out here. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. I got a bunch of stuff I'm going to sell off, a whole bunch of stuff I'm not using. Willie, there's a man in a jacket. He'd like to speak to you. Yeah. Be sure that, <laughs> that you're okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do like, like Rick pretty much did. I'm going to stick with pre-83 stuff, basically. Uh, pre-crash stuff mm. and I'm probably just going to stick to stuff that I actually had as a kid because I got more memories for those for making my videos and everything at one time I was trying to collect you know, all kinds of stuff to make videos and there's just so much room and there's just so much stuff out there that's my problem I get curious about some system and I, then I, the next thing you know I've got it and 20 game characters <laughs> it's out of control oh yeah it gets it gets out of control pretty quick, like you know, Rick when he got the RCA Studio too. Yeah, <laughs> I got a handful of those uh, pre pre crash systems down there oh, now. Yeah, you got a good deal out of that, man. You got a free multi cart with it when I gave it to you. I know it's great. <laughs> yeah. Just had to send me the console to make a video. That's that's a good trade off there. Yeah, I said I was going to stop, and I picked up a Magnavox Odyssey two last week. So. Oh, nice. That's not a uh, problem, man. That's not. Yeah, a I love those are so cool. Everybody's we, we, got to have an Odyssey 2. We are only going to be enablers for you when it comes to the Odyssey 2. <laughs> that oh, is great. Yeah. It's a great little system. And I, I love the Odyssey 2. I, I didn't have one back then, but I, I had friends that, that did. And it, it came with, uh, it was actually a really good deal. It was like 50 bucks. Woo. And it came boxed, uh, seven boxed games. Ooh, and he, wow. threw in it, he threw in an Odyssey 3000, the Pong system. Oh, that's cool. For 50, oh, okay, bo- yeah. 50 bucks and $30 to ship, so it wasn't too bad. And everything oh. works great. Oh, it's a great little system. I, I love the Odyssey, too, man. So now I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find a uh, multi-cart for it. Yeah, I've got one of those. Uh, Paul Nurbin yeah. sent me a multi-cart for mine. There are a couple of them out there. Okay. Yep. There's, there's one that is a multi-cart. You, you use dip switches to pick the game. That's what I And have. there's... And there's another one that has a serial cable to it, and you actually load the ROMs onto it. Um, it only it, it only has space, I think, for 64 games at a time. Okay. And, and and oddity of oddities, you enter the metadata, the game name, and everything with the Odyssey 2 keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I I, I got to confess, I haven't really even tried that one yet. I I, mm-hmm. I got one because I thought I I want to be able to try it. You know, some of the homebrews. You find a ROM for it and. You know, you'd, you'd like to try it out, I but I haven't uh, haven't busted that out yet. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I just picked up the uh, a box voice module for mine. Gotta have the gotta voice. Ha- gotta have the voice, Got- man. Yep, gotta have it. Love that thing. This isn't the Wizard of Audio Two podcast, though. We got to talk about the fifty two hundred now. All righty, so let us get in to talking about Vanguard and we'll let Mr. Matt take the lead. Well, alrighty. 
Um, Vanguard is basically it's one of many arcade ports that's on the 5200. You know, that's that was what Atari was making the most money on at the time, I think. So this was uh, in their wheelhouse, and uh, it was a port of a 1981 arcade game that was published by SNK in the United States, and Centuri made the arcade cabinets. It was developed by this company called Toast Software, some Japanese company that I'd never heard of until I started researching Vanguard. Apparently, they're one of those companies that sort of just does contract work for other companies, and they're always just kind of in the background. They've, they've made a bunch of other games, and they're still in business today. They still do this. But you'll never see them in credits. You'll never see them on hmm. title screens. They don't have any of that stuff. They just they do their work for whoever contracts them, and that's the end of it. You never hear about them. So they were the ones that made this game, but uh, you'll... <laughs> It's sort of mystery as to who actually programmed it or, or anything like that. Um, but it was pretty advanced for 1981. Uh, it's it's a got horizontal and vertical scrolling shoot 'em up, and it had a the arcade cabinet had an eight-way joystick and then four fire buttons, so you could fire in any direction and move in any direction independently. Just, that was kind of a big deal in 1981. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's got. Um, varied zones so there's a lot of different background graphics and a lot of different types of enemies that uh and it also includes a boss monster which i don't i God. can't think of too many games in 1981 that had that bosses maybe phoenix yeah phoenix did, phoenix mm-hmm. did yeah so the, the gond is the boss monster He's the city of this. <laughs> take, it, take it easy luther <laughs> And uh, the, the ultimate goal is to get to him and, and blow him up. And if you do it, you get to do it all over again. But there's slightly different tunnels. They sort of rearrange the stages. And uh, you get to go and try it again. And everything gets a little bit faster and a little bit tougher, as is the norm in 1980s arcade games. Until it's so fast and so tough, you can't possibly deal with it anymore. For me, that happens about Tunnel 2. But I think Ooh. there's three, three unique tunnels in this. So in the 5200 version of it, it's pretty much the same. Like I, I was very impressed with how accurate this was to the arcade game. It, it looks and, and sounds very close to it. A much better than the, the 2600 version, I have to say. And the only difference they had to do, the concession they had to do, is you can't move and fire independently because of the way the controller is. So it just fires in whatever direction you're, you're trying to steer your ship. Um, another big difference is the the arcade game and the 2600 version. Also, you can move your ship in eight directions, but in the 5200 version, you can only move it in four directions. There's no diagonal movement. Yeah, I, I had a problem with that, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I I like to have. I don't understand why we could have diagonal movement, but I, I don't either. And even the Atari, I thought maybe it had something to do with the analog stick. But the Atari home computer version does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, mm. I, I went and played it on the fifty uh, on the eight hundred computer, and it was the exact same thing. I was like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, that's very odd. I, I kind of got used to it after a bit, but I I don't understand why they would have done that. Well, the, the part that causes the most problems not having that diagonal control is when you're in that that one uh, tunnel that has the two different paths you can go to, either the lower or higher. The stripe zone. Oh, the stripe zone. The, yeah. the stripe zone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, because a lot of times when I'm playing Vanguard, I'll try to do a diagonal to try to swoop back down and get some more of the little uh, bases and stuff like that in that zone. You can't really do it very easy not having that diagonal control. And plus, 
went in those uh, diagonal caverns. Yeah, it makes it kind of hard to navigate those as well, not having diagonal control. Yeah, it does. And it's... It is- I was it is kind of unfortunate that you've got a, a choice to exclude diagonal control in a game that explicitly has diagonal phases. Like, that's yeah. kind of a problem. Like, Come on. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, any cussing that might have happened during gameplay, I, I'd like to blame it on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I, when I was playing the 5200 version, I, I haven't played the 2600 or the arcade for a while. Uh, so it, it didn't bother me. And then I went back and I went to compare it to the 26 and the arcade version. That's when I noticed the diagonal missing when I went back to the 52. And then it was very frustrating. But just <laughs> playing the 5200, it actually didn't bother me. I, I, didn't, re- I didn't realize. I just, it, fe- it felt stiff. It did, it did feel stiff. But I didn't realize what was wrong until I went back to the 2600 and the arcade version. And then, and then it was a big problem. And then I think, I think Matt, you pointed it out in your show notes. And I'm like, oh, that's what the problem is. You just ruined it for yourself, man. <laughs> you didn't know what you were missing, see? <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I think it's really an excellent port. I, uh, I, I like playing it more than the 2600 version just because of, like, honestly, like the Stripe Zone, for instance, with all those, with the, the barriers and the, weaving your way through the tunnels like that's just not the same in the 26 you don't really get the same feeling out of it i uh i think it's much more impressive in the 5200 and, and totally worth a try what do you think about the game rick oh yeah um i, I was going to say something about the control um you know it, with the uh you fire in the direction you're you're You've last. You're moving, right? Whatever, or or you last. Although I played a lot um, with the, uh, I played entirely with the Master Play clone, and I did find that if you're if you haven't pressed a button, a direction, it makes a good logical choice about what to fire. You know, so like when you're traveling from left to right, it fires to the right. When you're traveling from bottom to top, it fires up. You know, so even though you're not pressing up or to the right at that point. So that, I, I do like that it did that at least. Um, but I did find it amusing that, you know, it, it, it shoots in the direction you're going, um, which I, I think the Intellivision would just solve that by using the keypad, which is... <laughs> I, <laughs> can, can you imagine this game with the keypad? Oh. To shoot in directions? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I, 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 I personally, I don't like that control scheme of shoot in the direction you're like, I don't like berserk mm-hmm. for that reason. Like I'm always frustrated because I have to run at the guy I'm shooting. Like, so that was a bit frustrating for me um, with the, uh, the, and I realized I didn't have much, like I say, the other choice of doing it the way the Intellivision would solve it, not a good one. So I'm, I get that. Um, but uh, uh, I, I had, I actually played it with a, um, uh, with the master master play and a Genesis knockoff controller that had rapid fire as one of the oh. options. Hmm. Yeah, man. So I was just I was just laying on. I could actually just hold down the button, and it would just go just like crazy. Um, and and as and then if I moved, it would fire in the direction that I you know moved in. So um, it took me a little while to put two and two together and realize that that was a big advantage in the rainbow zone where you're going diagonally. Oh yeah. Because the rainbow zone had my number for the first like five games I played. I would just get in there <laughs> and get destroyed. Because because <laughs> like you know those things start hopping up and down. And at first, you could just find a spot in the middle and, and just shoot them and pick them off, and it's no big deal. But mm-hmm. then 
one will, will hone in on you. Like they, they add a fifth one that is either directly above or below you, and it just kept nailing me. Um, and then I realized, hey, dummy, if you just kind of flick it up and down, so you're shooting up and down and up and down and up and down while I'm holding down the button to rapid fire, that got that stage got a whole lot easier. It was a lot better after that. Um, but but the Rainbow Zone in particular in this port is a lot harder than the arcade machine because of that, right? The arcade machine, the Rainbow Zone is actually, I think, one of the easier pieces of it because you could just sit where you are and shoot the four directions. And yep. and it's really not that bad at all with the uh, with the uh, 5200 version. And I, I assume with the Atari 2600 version too, you have to kind of move and you don't want to get too close. And, and it's it, you can't just fire arbitrarily in a direction that you might want to. Um, and so I, like I say, I was getting mad when I was first playing it because I was dying in the rainbow zone. I remember that being like so easy in the arcade. Um, and it, it, it was just a control thing, but like I figured something out. Um, I thought that was interesting, a difference between the, the way the arcade controls and this one. Um, I, 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 I have to confess, I've actually never played the 2600 version of this game, oh. which I know it's like this thing. Like everybody, everybody talks about yeah. that commercial and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, so, I, so I've never played the 2600 version. This is the first time I've played like a home version of it. And so I've never gotten to the bleak stage before, like – because I'd only ever played the arcade, and I don't get that far. Um, so I've never beaten the Gond. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I I really tried hard on this one, but I'm not very good. Uh, that's what I found out. I, I still haven't beaten the Gond. <laughs> um, but at least I got to the bleak stage. Um, the, the the other things I had mentioned was that the um, the, the tunes are a little off. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not that it's it's not like clunky music like the 2600. It's good music. I, I It's really well done, but it's not quite the right melody it's kind of strange um for for both the uh both the star trek next generation theme and the flash gordon theme they both kind of like are almost it almost that version of the of the of the music and i was always going like huh that's not exactly right um which was a little weird and uh the other note i had was i, I, I the your ship is monocolor i kind of expected a multicolor ship on uh, on this game for some reason the 5200 has given me better graphics for the ship in defender and things like that. So I was kind of surprised to see a monocolor monocolor ship, but the gameplay is definitely there. It plays really well. It's a really uh, good adaptation of it. Yeah. The only thing it's really missing from it is the actual speech that the right, arcade right. game mm-hmm. has, but we all know what happens when the 5200 tries to talk, it freezes up for a second. Yeah. But so I think that would be a problem. <laughs> that would be a problem. <laughs> He did put the words up on the screen. Rainbow Zone. Rainbow Zone. <laughs> yeah, I really like this game. I like the. I, I love the arcade game, and uh, I was really happy uh, with this port on the fifty two hundred. It's actually really close to playing the arcade game. Uh, some of the strategies I have. I noticed, Rick, you didn't post a high score for this game. Oh, should I put it online? I I just brought it on my paper here for the discussion tonight. Okay, it's not a, okay. Well, let, let's be clear. It's not a high score. We shall discuss that very soon. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But you know, of course, you know, I've got the high score: hundred twenty-four thousand nine hundred. Oh yeah. Oh my. Oh yeah. Me. I was I was cranking on this game, and I got some strategies as how I got this high. Uh, most of my points was made in the zone that has the little dancing snakes. I guess they call it uh, the the Kimless little snake creatures before you get to the gond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you ride those things, you can really rack up some points. So that's mainly what I was trying to do is keep from shooting them and riding them 
to get a lot of extra points. Uh, I got to go ahead. How does, how, does, how does that work? I thought one of those grabbed me and dragged me off the screen or something. I thought, oh, avoid those guys. Oh. I better shoot them. What do you do no. with them? What happens is you get stuck. Wherever you're at, you get stuck there. So if you're over on the side trying to avoid those uh, bars, whatever they are, sticking out into the screen, if you hit one of those Kimlises there, the little dancing snake, it'll lock you in that position while you ride him up the screen. So mm. if, he, if he lets you go right in front of one of those bars, you're dead. So you want to try to do it out away from the bars. Hmm. But you can only do it three times. Three times. Three times, that's correct. But I did it every time I went through there. I, I got it all three times just to give me some extra points. I, I love yeah. the names they gave. They give some of these little characters on the screen. I don't know if you look looked at graphic I posted oh, a couple weeks ago, where all the little guys are named in the game. Uh, the little, they look like guys holding two sticks on their sides. Uh, they call that the mist. The little round guys in the in the in the oh, diagonal zones are called helms. Then they got the ships called Harley. Another one called Base. They got the floating pain, which I thought that was a good name. Even though he's not actually floating, he's in the ground in that one zone, extending his arms mm -hmm. up and down. But they call him a floating pain for some reason. And then, of course, they have... Go ahead. He is kind of a pain. Maybe that's yes, he is. <laughs> and then those little arrow things, right before you get to the gun, those are called ramitas. Hmm. I hate those things. That's usually where I died, is fighting those little bad boys yeah those guys were tough those guys were really tough very tough so what are some of your strategies uh michael and what score did you get i i got uh my score was 64,000, 64,250, and similar uh similar strategy with the um what are the uh, the, the camulus mm -hmm. to try to ride those three times uh, I I I had a hell of a time with the Rainbow Zone, and it, it a lot of times you have to find that sweet spot oh, to get yeah. through it. Otherwise, like Rick was saying, that those guys that come from top and bottom destroy you. So there's games I couldn't get past the first Rainbow Zone, and then there's times I would do really well and get to the second tunnel. Uh, I know to get a ton of points is on the the Gond level. Yes. The longer the longer you wait, the more points you'd get. Yep. So I, I think I think you can get up to eight thousand points. So, and really, I I mean, it's I I always I, I like the in the stripe zone. I I typically choose not to get the energy, so you, you're invincible, and instead shoot the because if you shoot the barriers, if you get both of them, you get eight hundred points each. But it's very hard to do if you're energized. Yes. So you that was diagonal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was my strategy. What about you, but, Mr. Matt? Well, I ended up with seventy five thousand six hundred ten, and nice. I actually got that about an hour and a half ago. After... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Willie scored. I I'm I'm kind of competitive with these old games, and I really like to try to. <laughs> it's nothing like a high score contest to get me to play a game a whole whole bunch, but I could not break hundred thousand. But uh, my main strategies were one important thing is you move a lot faster when you're not firing. So the temptation is to just turn on that auto fire and hold the fire button down and, and blaze away at everything. But 
there's going to be times you're going to get caught in the, the withering hail of gunfire that comes from the enemy sometimes. So remember to, to be a little judicious with that. And um, the other thing is with the, I think when you're in the second tunnel, that next to last stage, right before you get to the Gaunt, you've got the little snake things, the, the chemless. And after that, you've got these other guys called the, the Romedas. Those shoot at you from the side. Mm. And if, the first time you go through the tunnel, it's not a huge deal because they don't really do that too much. But the second time, the second tunnel, it, it makes it really hard because you can take them out vertically, but when you, if you pass by any on the side, they're going to shoot at you. So what you almost have to do is kind of hang back and then dash past them. Like, don't fire and push forward and try to move past them as quickly as you can. That way their shots miss you. It took me a while to figure that out because when I first would get there, that would pretty much be the end of me every single time because they're so... I mean, they, they fire at you very rapidly and it, the whole thing's moving quickly and I had a tough time with that. So that was something I kind of actually figured out today was you, you really need to just dash past those guys if you can. Run! Yes. <laughs> How about you, Rick? What kind of strategies did you use? Uh, dying a lot? No, I am <laughs> dying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like I said, I had I had this controller that I just laid on the laid on the fire and was able to strafe um, pretty well in the uh, scrolling horizontal sections, and I thought I did pretty well in those. Um, and 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 once I figured out if I just kind of flick it back and forth, I can shoot up and down in the in the rainbow section. That's not that, again not too bad. But if you don't have auto fire. Uh, like I like I cheated with, uh, then then uh, yeah, it's it, I don't know, it's it's hard. I'd, I'd, I'd listen to the other two guys because I don't know what I'm doing, but um, <laughs> it's, it's it's a hard game in my for from my side of it. I, 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 part of it is part of it for me is um, I just have a as much as I liked using the digital controller and and the um, uh, a Genesis pad. I have just never gotten to be very accurate with my left thumb on any kind of D-pad, Genesis, Nintendo, anything like that. So when I'm when I'm using those for these kind of systems, um, I, I'm just always never feel like I'm controlling my ship all that well. Uh, so that that that's that's on me to practice more and all that kind of jazz, or get a um, um, get an Aladdin stick or something to give me something <laughs> that I can that I can use better. Um, so yeah, I I don't know I. Um, I, I, I don't feel like I have mentioned the way of tips. Don't do it my way. Uh, do, well, what kind of do, score did you better. I got 37,290. So, like about half of everybody else or a quarter of, a quarter of Willie. But, uh, yeah, and that's just the way it is. Hey, that's two games in a row, man. Decathlon now this Oh, one. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm on a streak now. Yeah, you know, one, one thing that surprised me after playing it a bit, you know, you, you get killed and you're kind of back somewhere in the same stage right and you keep going um until you run out of guys or whatever but you only get one try at the gond that's it yep yeah like i get i so so you know my issue i don't i i've i would say probably half my games i can get to the gond so i get to the gond and i'm just trying to figure out what to do and i get shot oh well i'm done practicing that I can just, <laughs> <laughs> am i ever gonna beat this guy because I'm, I'm on it for four seconds before i know what happened um <laughs> because <laughs> it kicks you into a second tunnel that's shaped differently and and it's a lot faster uh and i have gotten almost to the gone a second time but um i got i got beat by those guys you were mentioning a minute ago that, that fire at you uh, real fast yes. um so i mean i played it i felt like i was playing it pretty well overall but like yeah i really need more practice at that gone and sp- <laughs> spend more time with the game i guess it's just obviously not my game what can well, i say 
just hand the controller off to Luther. He'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get some guy. Get, get some. Or have you come over, Willie? You could stand behind me and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Willie destroys the gods, not Luther. That's right, Willie. You know, one thing that's it's a shame they didn't Atari didn't do with this game is it's a it's a shame they didn't take advantage of the coupler and two controllers, similar mm-hmm. to Robotron and uh, Space Dungeon. Oh yeah, where you, you fire with the right and move with the left. I actually have a MAME cabinet where that's how I set it up in Vanguard, the arcade version. So I have two controllers and I use one to fire and the other to move, and it it it, 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 it it's a, it's a lot better. It's it's a shame they didn't give that as at least an option. Somebody oh, yeah. at Atari and H needs to hack this game. Hack it, yeah, hack it, man. Mm. Yeah, I uh, we I posted in our chats. So I'll, I'll mention here on the show. I actually Vanguard was a favorite of mine, you know, back in 1981 in the arcades. And when it came time to design my main cabinet, I actually was looking around at what other people had done, try to get some ideas. But it was important to me to try to have that four button arrangement in a diamond so that I could play Vanguard. Um, you know, with a, a authentic feel to it, so that 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 kind of influenced my meme design was um, my meme cabinet design was was Vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was a great game in the arcade. I was I, I was probably nine or nine at nine when this came out, and uh, this was I used to bowl as a kid, and you know every bowling alley had you know bunch of arcade games, and this is the one I distinctly remember. And every time after we're done bowling, I'd always, I'd always, you know, pester my dad. Oh, come on, like some quarters. Give me some quarters. Give me some quarters. <laughs> and this yeah. is a game we'd always go to. And I remember my buddy and I, one of us would control the ship and the other one would, you know, hit the fire buttons. And I, I didn't get the 2600 until Christmas of 81. So a little bit later. And I actually wrote to Atari afterwards asking them if they could put Vanguard out. And they they actually responded back, and they they mentioned something about not having you know license to do that. And then about six months later, it actually came out, and I was shocked. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was because I wrote to them because <laughs> I didn't know anybody else that that liked this arcade game or even knew about it. <laughs> and honestly, I don't. Other than that bowling alley, I don't recall ever seeing this in another arcade. I remember uh, seeing it a, a couple places, like Aladdin's Castle at the mall near me had it. Okay. Yeah, I thought, but you're right. I don't think it was like a, one that was as popular as, as like maybe a Pac-Man or a Galaga or any of that. The only place I've ever seen it is my local arcade. I grew up in the Galaxy Arcade. Uh, other than that, I saw it at a bowling alley, and that's about it. I've not really seen it anywhere else. I don't think I've even seen it at Galloping Ghost up in uh, Chicago. I don't recall it being up there. Oh, wow. I know yeah, that yeah. Uh, they had one at the place in, uh, near Cincinnati before. You know, yes, they did. Up. Yeah, Carrie. Yes. Whenever I went there, I always made it a point to play it because there's no substitute for the. No, I forgot about that. Yeah, Carrie. Ch- Carrie had that at his arcade. I forgot about that. Dead. Awesome stuff. And I mean, they did a great job porting this to the 5200, but the arcade had some incredible sound effects. Yes, mm-hmm. the bass was really loud. The explosions are really loud, and you know the vo- obviously the voices, but the cremulus, they actually laugh at you. Yes, <laughs> oh, you, you, right can, you, you can hear it in the background. They're actually laughing at you. <laughs> it's a yeah, wow, <laughs> it's a great sound effect. <laughs> Psychotic little critters. 
Oh, so what what do you guys think of the game overall? Would you recommend it for someone to have in their collection? I personally, I highly recommend this game. It's one of the reasons why I wanted a 5200. Yes, I have to agree. It's it's a must-have. If you have a 5200, this needs to be in your collection, absolutely. And Rick, being the new guy, what did you think of it on the 5200? No, yeah, I think it's really good. Um, it, it's definitely in the top you know, five or so games maybe that I've played on the 5200. I, I think it's great. And what's really nice is, you know, collecting for the 5200 is is actually pretty easy to do. Uh, a lot of the stores I've been in, game stores, I usually see quite a few cartridges sitting there. And they range in prices, you know, like from 2 bucks up to $9, depending on what it is. The 5200 actually is pretty cheap to collect for until you get to some of the higher-end, really rare games. But you know, for Vanguard, for example, uh, there's loose carts right now for sale for like 7 bucks. Over on that that auction site that we don't really like to talk about too much. So mm-hmm. if you want to get this game in your collection, you're not going to spend an arm and leg to get it, and it's actually well worth having in the 5200 collection. Yeah, it is, and, and it's got some cool uh, artwork on the box and the manual too. If uh, if you like, oh, I love the artwork. Very good. Cool silver box. There's an awesome artwork, man. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a neat picture on. Them. In the manual, it says Vanguard wants you, and there's this guy in a spacesuit like pointing at you. I, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, and also, and on the 2600 version, on the 2600 version, it says this game is dedicated to Michael D'Angelo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about the artwork is on the 2600, they had that more, more of a Star Wars look to it. Yeah, it did. Whereas 5200, it it it's Tron. I mean, it looks exactly like something from Tron. I, I love it. I, I I actually like the 5200 artwork better. Yeah, it does look like something from Tron. You see the grid in the background, and, and the walls look like from the light cycle thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even the ship looks oh, yeah. Tron-esque. Yeah, I love yeah, the artwork does. on this. It's awesome. A thrilling space odyssey. Vanguard. Well, we've got an auto submission for Mr. RK. He wasn't able to join us. So I'll play that here real quick. And then we're going to move on and talk about Roadrunner. Hey, guys. I just wanted to send a submission about uh, one of my favorite games, Vanguard. Uh, what I loved about this game was the fact that it was a side-scrolling game. And up until then... I had mostly played Cosmic Avenger on the ColecoVision, which I thought was pretty great back in 1982, 83 when I was playing it. Vanguard uh, offered a lot more variety. It offered uh, vertical or diagonal scrolling. Vertical on the Atari 2600 version, which was the first version that I played. I loved that game so much uh, that I did find it in the arcades, and I would play it in the arcades. And then I was, years later, when I got a 5200, like three years ago, I, I was finally able to play it on the 5200 and was just so impressed at how much like the arcade it was. Really didn't detract from the 2600 version because that's really, really close. But, um, and I also found the 2600 version probably a little bit more enjoyable to play due to the 5200's controllers, although uh, the uh, the Wico joystick that I use on the 5200 
uh, helps a lot. And I would recommend anything, anything else besides an Atari 5200 controller to play Vanguard because, um, especially <laughs> like in the rainbow zone, uh, those diagonal tunnels are really hard to maneuver with, with a joystick. But I loved everything about this game and you can clearly see how it was uh, the blueprint for future scrolling games on future systems. But this, this was the first. And, um, very impressive the variety of, um, um, gameplay that you had and, uh, you know, the idea of like those, those, those shrimp monsters towards the end of the round where you can actually get tucked inside the shrimp and it'll protect you and take you up and then you get out and it, I think it only gives you several chances to do that before you get to the gond or be, before those other ships start coming. I can't think of, uh, you know, whereabouts you are in the game, but that was something that, um, I learned how to do because we didn't read manuals back then. That was uh, something I learned how to do from uh, that full-page Atari ad that Electronic Games used to run, like, which player is going to get the most points if they do this? And they did this with different games, and that's where I learned about um, tucking your ship inside the belly of one of those things that looked like a shrimp or, or, or an embryo of an alien or something or whatever. But, um, just, just a great game, um, from the, from the visuals to the, um, the Star Trek, the motion picture theme music and the Flash Gordon music. And I'm sure you're going to cover all of this stuff when you, um, when you dissect this game in the podcast. Um, the box art was pretty great too. Um, I love the 5200 box art. I really love the 2600 box art. That was done by Ralph McQuarrie, who um, was a concept artist for Planetary Surfaces for NASA and who did concept art for Star Wars and, you know, other uh, science fiction movies. <clears throat> just just a just a great game all around. And um, I think as Willie and I had said in our previous uh, podcast about making uh, games that make the Atari 5200 worth owning like Defender and Missile Command and Centipede, I'd have to say Vanguard is one of those games. It really is a, a great game and it, it's still fun to play today, uh, which, which I do occasionally on both systems. So anyways, guys, um, thanks for letting me, um, share some views on, on Vanguard and, uh, take care. Thanks. Well, before we move on, I forgot we did get some feedback for episode 16. Keith Sheehan wrote in, So are you and RK back to doing the podcast? Are there two separate podcasts? I'm confused. Yes, there are two different podcasts. There's the one that RK and I started, the Super Podcast, which has evolved into the Super Community Podcast. And the one that David, Captain Bob, and Glenn started up called the Atari 5200 Podcast. Our podcast mainly just is like a fan cast. We just like to talk about the game, what we thought about playing it, uh, stuff like that. If you want to get to the the real bones and the meat of the games, then listen to the 5200 podcast with David, Glenn, and Captain Bob. Uh, they go into real detail on the games over there. So that's a really fun podcast to listen to as well. Jim Fulton wrote in, really sad that RK is leaving. Yeah, we all are. His tangents and pop culture references and his stories in general were always awesome. The reasons he listed for leaving are the exact reasons he shouldn't. Yeah, we're trying to entice RK to be back on the show as anytime he wants to be. 
he has an open invitation. So hopefully we can get him back on the show every once in a while. And then Joey Alwain, hope I pronounced your name right. And when I say I love it, I don't mean I'm glad that RK is leaving. Just glad that the new show is out. Very sad about that. I really, really like the guy. Very entertaining and just a cool conversation about classic games. I hope that wasn't misconstrued. And if it was, my bad. No, RK just, uh, he loves doing the podcast and stuff like that. Just, we all don't have a lot of time. Uh, as you probably can tell, the podcast has come out on a regular basis. Uh, we're all really busy and there's things he has to get done. Uh, he loves talking on the podcast and he loves getting emails from all you guys out there. So continue writing emails. And if you want to write them into RK, cause he'll still see them and maybe he'll respond. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Before we talk about Roadrunner, though, I want to mention something I was posted on the 5200 uh, Facebook page. Uh, David from the 5200 podcast, uh, he's been putting a lot of posts over there for us. And he made a post showing this new 3D overlay base kit that's being done by Ralph Pushner. And these are custom-made overlays 
for the 5200 called the Orphan Overlay Collection. Comes a really nice little folder. And these overlays look really, really good. Did you guys see this post? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, they look really nice. Oh, they're incredible. I'm going to have to pick these up. Yeah. Yeah, they are very nice. Yeah, this is a cool thing to get uh, for you know for your collection kind of stuff. There's a they did a similar thing with Intellivision. There was a whole suite of Intellivision games that didn't have any overlays, and uh, you know a guy came out with the and, and similarly titled an orphan overlay set. And uh, yeah, those those are those are really cool to have if you're a collector. Oh yeah. yeah, even if you don't really use the overlays during games, like I don't once I get used to it, like I just know where the buttons are. But they're mm-hmm. nice to have. You know, they look really cool, and it makes your set feel a little more complete. Yeah, and the quality of them look really well. I, I don't have one to actually feel everything, so I know David's got some on order, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say about them uh, on the 5200 podcast when he gets them, so that's going to be pretty cool. So now let us talk about Roadrunner. Meep, meep. <laughs> Take it away, Matt. Now, did, did you guys... Before before I get started on the game itself, did you guys all watch the Roadrunner cartoon? Growing oh yeah, up? yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right. So we're all familiar with the wily coyotes' endless yeah. chase after the Roadrunner in the desert. So this game is just basically. I think it was supposed to be some sort of strategy game, um, and there's a kind of a rudimentary maze on the screen and. The, the, basically, the idea is I don't, I don't know if you've ever played with these, but there used to be these puzzle games where there's it's all these sliding tiles. Yep. So think of a little handheld device that's full of tiles, except one space is empty, and you can move the tiles around to fill that empty space. And that's kind of what this the the basis of this game is: is that the board is divided into these little squares, and you, you're sliding these video tiles in to fill that empty gap. But while you're doing this. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner are running around the maze. So when you slide the tiles around, you're kind of altering the maze and guiding where they go. Because you don't directly control these, either either character. You just kind of move the tiles around, and they they follow the path. So there's little piles of birdseed around the board, and uh, Wiley... This is kind of weird. Wiley Coyote gets 50 points for each birdseed bird pile he grabs. <laughs> In the cartoon, it was always the Roadrunner that wanted that. Like, why would Riley? But for some reason, that's how they set it up. And uh, for every tile he manages to cross, he gets 35 points. And he gets 10 points if he actually catches up with the Roadrunner, which, again, is weird because in the cartoon, he, like, never, ever catches the Roadrunner that I remember. Maybe in the finale. I don't know. <laughs> so... Uh, it's an unfinished game. It is just a prototype, and some of the prototypes in the fifty-two hundred, like Last Starfighter, for instance, was completely finished, totally a playable game. But this one's kind of maybe halfway done, I think. Um, I believe there was supposed to be a two-player variation on it, um, where one player control moves the tiles, maybe, and the other player controls the Roadrunner. I'm not sure, but um, there's there's two scores, but it doesn't quite work. Uh, in the prototype so it's kind of an interesting thing there's kind of an odd color set to it the the screen looks sort of uh, there's sort of an odd color set to it 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 doesn't really look like the the desert or what the cartoon looked like Um, 
there's not it's not super fun to play. There's no sound whatsoever. Um, but I would have been interested to see it nonetheless, just because there aren't a whole lot of original titles for the 5200. It's mostly arcade conversions. There's nothing wrong with that, but it would have been cool to see some original titles. So it's a shame they didn't finish it. I, uh, I would have liked to see what they have done with it. I think a two-player strategy type game would have been really cool. That would have been pretty cool, yeah. yeah. It's kind of similar to... Uh, I don't know if you ever played the Intellivision game. I, I guess Rick probably has the, the lo- Locomotion. It, it kind of plays like that a little bit. Yeah, and there's a uh, there's a second game on Intellivision mm-hmm. called um, Happy Trails that's uh, also similar. Okay. Yeah. So you, you basically are trying to trying to catch the Roadrunner, and there's these little fake tunnels at the end of, edge of the screen. Like if you remember yep. the cartoon, the, road, the Roadrunner would paint a, a tunnel wall on, on a wall in the desert, and the, the Roadrunner or the Roadrunner would paint that, and Wiley would run right into it sometimes. So they they have that same type of mechanic in the game. It's like one of the tunnels would be real, and the rest would be these fake paintings that they won't run right into. Yeah, I found the game a little bit more enjoyable when I looped the Roadrunner theme in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's very quiet without, without anything. It's very, very quiet. And maddening, too, because I couldn't figure out what the heck I was doing. Yeah, me either. And it's, it's awfully slow. Yes. It, when you start the game, you have to wait for this Acme truck to drop off the bags of birdseed. It, yeah. it literally takes over 30 seconds for that process. <laughs> Uh, by that, I was ready to give up after that. I'm like, I, 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 I'm done. <laughs> and uh, it, 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 I mean, it is, it is a proto, it is a, you know, it's a prototype, and it, it did crash a lot. Yes, I had it where it just all of a sudden the screen just went blank. Yeah, for, you know, I'd have to reset. So it did crash quite often, or sometimes uh, the Roadrunner or Wiley would um, just get stuck in a wall. Yeah, in an endless loop. <laughs> I had uh, I had Wiley walking off the off the tiled area like he was just kind of he was walking in a loop. You could tell he you th- he thought he was on a trail, but he was somewhere else. He was walking a curve and you know, coming back onto the playfield again. <laughs> and, and one of the things I found really frustrating is you just I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I didn't know what tile I was on to move. Mm-hmm. It you know it it, it wasn't very intuitive. Mm-mm. Oh no, definitely not. Yeah. This would have been a, a, an RTFM. Kind of game, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's a it's a it's a play style. I think you have to spend time with. I, and I've never gotten used to it. And when I try to play other games like this, mm-hmm. you know, you almost, you almost have you have to think more about like I'm the empty spot yes. and I'm sliding things into the empty spot is is kind of the mentality you have to get into. But I can't. Uh, I'm not very good at all at predicting you know what the path will look like two moves from now so that I can set things up so that you know the character gets where he needs to go. Um, it just feels I was when I play this or uh, you know this or or locomotion or happy trails or some game like mm-hmm. that, I come away from it always going I probably need like another twenty to thirty hours of playing that to really get to the point where I understand what I'm doing and and have instincts you know to, that would take me to the right place or whatever. And it was it, it was pretty easy to get uh, the road runner in just like four just trap him in four tiles. So yes. he's just going. He's just running around four different tiles, and you could just finish the level fairly easily. <laughs> um, but I, I did try Locomotion as well as Happy Trails. Those were actually pretty fun. I enjoyed those. Yeah, those are pretty fun games on the television. I think I had something similar on the uh, iPad once. 
like paper train or something something similar to the this I think yeah. there's a um, there's another arcade game, and I, I I looked at I tried to find it. I thought it was called Quack, um, but every time I do duck, you know, some kind of duck arcade game, I get you know duck hunt and stuff like that when I'm looking for it. But it had this idea of ducks on heading towards a waterfall, and you had to slide the tiles around to get them in the right places somehow. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, I found it on my main cab one day. I'm like, what is this? Um, but I I don't recall the the, the name of it now. Mm. Yeah, I haven't even heard of it. That didn't even sound familiar. Huh. Well, there's only like 36,000 games in Mame or whatever, really, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I've seen all of them. You know? <laughs> a lot of and the other thing there. is, uh, I, 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 thought, I don't think Roadrunner can, can actually die in this game. No, I don't so think so. I, I think if he, if he comes to a dead, dead end track, he just turns around. Hmm. So I, I don't know if that's... They had a lot of stuff to do on this. I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah, that's the joys of an unfinished game. Be kind of cool if someone would pick this up and try to finish it, make an actual playable game. Yeah, I would like to. I'm very curious about what it would have turned into. Mm. Yeah, because it would have been a nice departure from what what we have on the 5200. Because Atari did make a couple of Roadrunner games. I mean, there's one in the 2600. Yep. And then there's one in the the arcade. There's an arcade game too. And yep. I think those are kind of similar. Like, I'm not very familiar with the arcade game. I think I maybe played it once somewhere, but. I believe they're kind of similar. They're yeah, definitely they are. Different, way different than this. So they obviously like picked the license back up or kept it and did something with it. But uh, you know, they left this whole concept on the drawing board for some reason. So that was Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay! If oh. you guys want to check something else out about it, I recommend AtariProtos.com. They had, mm-hmm. He has a really good write-up on it. I, I was going to do one, but I just didn't know what else to say about it that the that, that Protos didn't already have. Yeah, when I was, read, when I was reading the, uh, to the show notes, when I got down to Roadrunner, I was fully expecting to see a picture of you throwing a controller against the wall. <laughs> 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 I've had it with yeah. this game. <laughs> yeah, I was tempted. <laughs> uh, before we end... In the show, I forgot to mention one more thing. Ferg would like to hear about this one here. David, again, from the 5200 Podcast, he made a post and a video on the Facebook page for the Super Community about Atari Putt 18 Miniature Golf that's coming out from Video 61 and Atari sales. This video is a pernit to see. It's a really cool-looking miniature golf game for the 5200, not like the prototype game, that we talked about last time. This one is a little better looking. It looks a lot. Looks like a lot of fun. So check out that video when you get a chance and see what you think of that. So what game you guys want to talk about next time? Uh, I've been playing Space Dungeon quite a bit. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> All right. Mm. Twin stick shooter. Yes, yes, yes. I see this being difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so we're oh, all yeah, consensus. We're going to talk about Space Dungeon next. Sounds great. Let's hear the vote. Come on, Matt. I'm all for it. Rick? I uh, Just going to the flow. Whatever you guys pick, I'll try it. <laughs> Michael? Yeah, absolutely. Willie? Screw you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So as usual, uh, Mr. Matt will do a little write-up for our our Facebook page 
get some show notes together. And the all-important high scores. Who do you think will get the high score for mm. this one? Any, any, any guesses? It can't be Willie. That's all I know. Oh, now come on! Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, does everybody have two controllers? You do need two controllers for this game. I got two controllers. Uh, I might have to repair one of mine, but I think I have two controllers. Okay. Well, if the joystick works, you're fine. Because, you know, one one controls yeah. your ship, the other one fires. So as long as the mm-hmm. joysticks works, which you don't need the keypad, really, so. Mm, yeah, right. So you should be you should be fine. That's, actually, that's the exact situation I'm in. I have two controllers, but on one of them, pretty much every button is dead. But that's okay for this game. So, Michael, you that. got two controllers? Oh, yeah. No, I'm good. Awesome. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure the one of mine that's broken has a joystick problem, so I'm going to have to pull that one apart. Now, who among us has the special little tray that you can mount the two controllers in? I actually just picked one up last month. Boom, boom, boom. Michael, do you got one? Yeah, that's, I just picked one up last month. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Matt, <laughs> you got one of those? Yeah, games? I got This is one of the games I got in box, actually, so Ooh. yep, it came with one. Rick, do you got one? No, I do not. Well, neither do I, so this ought to be interesting. we got two guys yeah. without it and two guys with it. Who's going to get the better scores? Mm-hmm. Let's find out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so until next time, everyone. Enjoy that 5200 and give it some love. Thanks for listening.